Welcome to Talk Time with Max Contact, the podcast where we talk about the latest contact center and customer experience, industry news, and insights. Join us as we welcome industry experts, discuss actionable strategies you can apply to your business, and help professionals like you on your path to long-term career progression and success. I'm your host, Sean McIver. Hello and welcome to another episode of Talk Time with me, your host, Sean McIver. In this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Tim Farrell, the Business Transformation Manager at DirectLine. Tim's an experienced technologist with a proven track record in growing usage of SaaS solutions, driving adoption of new features and increasing solution performance. Before his current role, Tim was a digital engagement analyst at Sabio, where he was responsible for delivering performance improvements as well as growing and expanding SaaS usage for a portfolio of UK and global customers. Tim also spent 10 years working with Three as both a customer care professional and as an analyst where he developed Three's complaint reporting capability to meet new Ofcom regulations, helping the business understand its main complaint drivers and emerging issues. Tim, welcome to the show. Have I missed anything in that introduction? It's quite a diverse, you know, range across there that you've done. You make me sound really impressive, Sean, and that's quite an interesting career. I think you've covered all the bases and what's fascinating about that career is that everything I've learned in one role, I've then learned on that and taken that and adopted it in my next role. One role leads to another and here I am at Direct Line running the virtual assistant and chatbot for our millions of customers. And that brings us beautifully onto the theme of today's conversation, which is around digital customer experience, how to get the best out of chatbots to ensure that you've got that balance between the human assisted channels and the kind of self-serve channels while still maintaining a customer centric focus and how to, I think, fail successfully to a human assisted channel as well and measuring all of those different things. Now, to anyone listening, that'll sound like that's a huge objective that delivers clear business benefits and customer benefits. But I'm guessing the path to get there maybe isn't necessarily a direct one or a rapid one. Is that fair to say? I think so, yes. Our digital assisted channels, they're much different than our human assisted channels. So everybody starts a digital assisted channel not quite knowing how they're going to get to the end path. They think if we put a bot on the website, it's going to answer everybody's questions. It's going to help everybody first time. And we don't need contact center agents anymore. The truth is very different. The technology, it has its advantages, has its limitations. And I think key to delivering that journey is understanding its limitations and how to really achieve success whilst working with the limitations to understand when you can't be successful. Let's kick off right in the nitty gritty of it. When we talk about, you know, you just mentioned limitations of any given chatbot solution. What do you mean by some of those limitations? Can you give me like an example of what you mean by that? So chatbots can be very prescriptive sometimes. So if we think about a human agent, your first line standards, human assistants who you speak to in a contact center, they know most things. They know a lot of processes, a lot of policies. They've got a knowledge base to back them up that they can go and search, read, understand when they're on a call with a customer. They've got second line and third line teams to help with the complex queries. The reality of a chatbot or a virtual assistant is that 
it's really great for the easy types of queries that you get. When you start thinking about complaints and really complex scenarios, then you either go down a rabbit hole of building a massive conversation structure to try and handle everything, or you realize maybe that's where the expertise of the human comes in. And that's something that I remember hearing a long time ago when there was a big focus around robotic process automation, whereby if you had a really well-defined process that could be followed, those were prime targets for automation. Am I right in inferring that it's a similar situation with the chatbot side of things as well, whereby if there's a relatively clear process with not huge numbers of breakout points, that's a key one that can be used for that customer experience side of things automation? I think so, Sean. There's probably advantages that a chatbot also has over robotic process automation as well. So your chatbot is going to handle your simple, can I do this? Can I do that? Tell me about this and that types of questions, because they're really simple things. When we think about it in the context of insurance, for example, we have a number of different key journeys. So people might want to add or remove a driver. They've bought a new car. They want to let us know. They're going to put a private plate on their vehicle. And when a customer goes through that journey, whether they're speaking to a phone agent, whether they're doing that activity on a website or whether they're talking to a chatbot, the questions we're going to ask that user are exactly the same. The information we require is exactly the same. So we can automate that journey. And probably the advantage of a chatbot over robotic process automation is if something doesn't quite look right, so maybe there's been a digit in the registration number entered incorrectly, we can display back to the user, right, is that a mini? No, it's not. So it must be the wrong registration number. And we can go back, we can correct ourselves and get to the end. Whereas I think with a lot of robotic process um, solutions, you're very limited to the information that comes in and everything that fails goes to, goes to a human for exception handling. That's a really good point. I think the advantage, as you've just said, with a chatbot is that you've got almost these loops that can feed back into itself and it can react more exactly as you say, rather than with the, the RPA side of things where it's, you know, if this do this and there's no deviation or adaptability built in. I'm suddenly aware that we have jumped into this both feet quite heavily. So I'm going to take a step back. I'm just going to explore your journey with chatbots, because this has been one of your primary focuses since you joined the organization, I believe it was about 18 months ago. So what's that journey looked like in terms of the core focuses of your chatbot strategy and the evolution of that process throughout that time? Can you talk to us a bit about that? So let's go back five or six years and right to the start. So in my previous role, I was supporting Direct Line Group as the client manager for the virtual assistant solution. And what I remember from back then is that the original case to bring in the virtual assistant was that we would automate our midterm amendments and renewals journeys, and that was going to be it. And that was the rationale for bringing in the, the chatbot, the virtual assistant. And I said, well, if you put the chatbot out there, that's great that it's going to handle your midterm amendments and your renewals. But the reality is, is that your customers aren't going to behave the way you want them to behave. They're going to start asking questions about their policy. They're going to ask about going abroad, putting exhausts on their car, whatever else. And if you can't handle those simple things, 
when the customer comes back and is ready to make a change or renew their policy, they're going to remember that negative experience. So even five years ago, we were shifting the strategy from let's tackle the complex problems to actually let's try and tackle a lot of simple things as well. So that's a bit of the history in the background. Now, let's skip forward to about 18 months ago. So when I joined the organization at Direct Line, what we found was that there wasn't an awful lot of MI available to to help us understand performance in our chatbot. So one of the first things that I did in the first two or three months after I joined was looked at what do we need to understand performance, what's going to help us identify the dropout points, the pain points, and what's going to help us define what do we do next? What do we do six months from now? What do we do two years from now? So that was a key thing that I did within about two or three months of joining. And that data that we now have, it's really allowed us to actually put in place new strategies, new plans, and and actually think out the next three to five years. I want to unpick something, and I kind of almost dread saying this because, you know, I think everyone's talked about this, but I think it's important If we roll back five years to when these conversations were happening around actually, no, we need to cover a lot of the simple basics as well as these midterm adjustments and the renewals, that was in the quote unquote before times, pre-pandemic. So I'm guessing that then during the pandemic, were you on a front foot to be able to then accelerate that? Did that affect that journey significantly? What impact, I guess, did the pandemic and the changes, you know, all of those changes that came about during that time, remote working, rapid digitization of the customer experience across many companies, what did that have on that strategy and that roadmap for yourself? It made us very well placed to handle the additional queries that were coming through and deflect some of the traffic away from our telephony channels. Our virtual assistant was sufficiently advanced that we actually put banners on the website saying, look, we know there's a difficult time at the moment. Why not chat to our virtual assistant, which will probably have the answer. So that upfront work, we didn't do it for that reason. We did it for the right reasons, of course, but that upfront work made us well-placed. But talking about the pandemic, there was also an element of, well, what's the next question to come through? And this is where the optimization and the ongoing evolution of the chatbot solution came in. So we started seeing people ask, can I drive as a volunteer for the NHS, delivering medicines, vaccines, whatever else? People were asking, am I still covered if I'm taking advantage of the MOT extension by six months? And all these different types of new questions. And we really got on top of that and we understood right, what's the company's position on this? What are we telling customers in a contact center and taking that information, putting it into the VA and making sure that customers who were maybe in a difficult situation themselves had the answers that they needed. That's a really interesting point when it was such a dynamic universe and the the world was going through such a state of flux. I guess those questions, being able to identify what are these themes coming through? What are these questions that customers are asking? being able to then proactively respond to that and build automated answers makes a huge difference. Is that continued on? Is that something that you still do now? Do you review whether there are new questions coming through that are needing those sorts of digital touch points to respond to those? Is that a regular thing that's done? Absolutely. We have a, an ongoing optimization program. So I work with a content manager 
and he himself works with subject matter experts from all the key areas of the business, motor claims, home sales and service, our pet division, our travel insurance division, to understand what's changing and what are we seeing in these areas. Because we try and see the virtual agent and almost treat it the same way as you would a human agent. If you recruit a human and put that person on the phones, you don't train them, you don't give them any knowledge updates, they're going to stand still, not just in terms of their career, but in terms of their performance in role. And it's the same with a virtual agent. There's always new information to go after. Just a couple of weeks ago, we started thinking about winter tires for their vehicle and how that would impact their policy. So we said, well, what's the company position on that? And we put that knowledge in. So it's always learning in the same way that a human. That's really interesting. And I think that as part of the learnings from that, I guess my next question is, is that something that you've then continued forward? in terms of the review of what those questions are that are being asked and how you adapt to that. How often is it that you review that? What does that process look like? It's an ongoing activity for us. So we, we run an optimization program. We have a full-time content manager who works alongside me. He brings new knowledge into the platform. He works with an analyst to understand those new questions that are being asked. He also works with subject matter experts from across our different business areas. So motor claims, motor sales and service, our home insurance, our pet and travel policies. And it's really important to keep the chatbot updated with knowledge, because if you don't, much like with a human assistant, the chatbot will be a bit outdated. It will never learn. It will never develop and progress. It's really important for us. That makes sense. I wasn't quite sure how to approach this one, but I'm just going to approach it head on and ask the direct question. For a number of companies that, that I've seen out there, digital deflection has become something of a poisoned chalice, shall we say, where businesses are aware of the cost of the human element of customer experience, and therefore they've embraced digital technologies in order to try and not avoid, but redirect or deflect those interactions to a more digital automated channel. There's an inherent risk with doing that. And I guess without wanting to kind of put you on the spot or, or make anything uncomfortable, how do you ensure that you are in fact delivering an enhancement to the customer experience and that the concept of digital deflection isn't coming at the cost of that experience in order to avoid those business costs? How do you balance that? So I think there is good deflection and there can also be bad deflection. As a consumer myself, I've used different self-service technologies, chatbots, self-service opportunities in retail stores as well. And what really stands out to me in some of the chatbots that I've used is that they make it really difficult to get to a human assistant. They don't fail fast. So you go through this horrendous loop of, well, I don't really understand. I can't really help you with the process. I'm not answering exactly what you need to know. But then I'm not going to put you through to a human either. And some of them are really sneaky, right? So you get to the point where you say, okay, give me a human. Okay, let's get you through to a human now to help me get you to the right team. What are you asking about? And you tell them, and then it says, aha, I have an answer to that. And it even stops you then. And that's horrific. It's a horrific experience. And I think 
one of the things for us as a company is we offer a premium insurance product. Customers love us. And what we do is, I talked earlier about the limitations of this technology. We understand the limitations of the technology. We understand when we can't help the customer. And when we can't help the customer, then you've got one of two choices. You can help the customer to get through to a human assistant. You can control the escalation path. So do you send them to a telephony person? Do you send them to somebody who's maybe a bit more efficient in web chat or a messaging channel? The other option is that you lose the customer in the digital channel, you frustrate them, and you know what? They're gonna go on Google, they're gonna search for a phone number, and they're gonna call you anyway. So we prefer the first approach. It's about deflecting and containing, getting people to adopt digitally where we can, but recognizing that, do you know what? Sometimes we can't. And that's what we've got humans here for. I think that makes sense. I agree with that. I want to touch on something that you mentioned just there, and that's around failing fast. I know you've talked about that previously and how failing fast can be a really useful tool. Can you just, for the sake of, of anyone who's unfamiliar with this concept, can you just explain what you mean by failing fast? And then secondarily, how do you determine what the next step should be in one of those scenarios where something has failed fast? So if you think about what a customer is trying to achieve, they're trying to do one of a few things. They might want to buy something from you. They might want to get some information. They might want to make a change. They might want to make a claim. And based on what that customer says up front and based upon what you know about them and their policy situation and what we can do for them, then you're going to know pretty quickly indeed, I can help this customer in the digital channel or I can't help this customer in the digital channel. And when you identify that you can't help the customer in the digital channel, then it's like, well, that's the point at which to realize, well, we can't help them. Let's identify that very quickly and let's send them off to a human. The other situation is your unhappy paths as well. So if you've talked to Alexa or Siri or Google on your phone or a smart speaker device, you'll know that sometimes it doesn't understand you. The technology for understanding utterances, speech, text isn't perfect at all. We do a good job. We have very, very high comprehension and understanding numbers, but we don't understand everything. And what we see, and we've actually done some analysis on this, is that when you put the customer through multiple loops and try to get the customer to repeat themselves multiple times, the customer gives up. So we started off getting the customer to repeat themselves three times. Customers were only willing to give us two chances. So now on the second time that we don't understand them, straight to a human. The second scenario on that is that customers do ask follow-up questions. And that's one of the other limitations of the solution. It's great for those initial, tell me about this type of question. But when the customer wants to go into a bit more detail and drill down a bit more into that response, then quite often the chatbot hasn't been trained. And we can only train it by seeing what customers ask, of course. And in that situation, customers weren't even willing to give us two times to repeat themselves because we don't understand them. So the way we've configured the solution now is that if you've asked a question and then ask a follow-up question, which we don't understand, we send you straight through to a human because we know we failed. And it sounds quite negative, we failed, we failed fast. But arguably, if you've identified that you can't help that customer, 
And if you've identified the most appropriate course of action is to send them to a human, okay, you haven't contained them, you haven't deflected them online, but you've given them a successful outcome. So is that failure? Is it success? The lines are a bit blurred there, but I like to call it failing fast and it's a good thing for us. I agree. And I like the concept of provide something that's automated up front, but as soon as you realize and recognize that it's not the, it's not going to drive the customer experience forward in a positive way, skip all of that and just put them through to a human. And I think that that's a really important headline key takeaway from my point of view, listening to you and the successes that you've had there. One of the other things that I suppose sits as a, as a peripheral that opens up another conversation is chatbots need to be trained. We know and understand this, but I don't know if how many of our listeners have ever tried doing any prompt engineering or anything along those sorts of lines. But when you understand the prompt engineering side of things and the communication mechanism style of things, you inherently end up biased towards how you think the question is going to be asked. How can tech like chatbots identify a customer's goal when the customer themselves might not be the best at communicating what they actually need? How do you account for that? There's a couple of things, a couple of things you can do there. So when you're starting off a chatbot program, then you think everybody's going to ask the perfect question. How do I add a private plate to my car? And you, you think it's going to be um, this perfect English. The reality is, is people don't talk like that. They don't type like that. And what a lot of people or companies with chatbots or new chatbot solutions already have is they've got a web chat channel, right? Loads of people have a web chat channel. And what you can do at startup is you can go through your web chat transcripts. There is effort involved in doing that, but you go through your web chat transcripts and you see what your customers have typed. So you bootstrap it with that initial knowledge, right? This is how people ask about private registrations. This is how people ask about driving abroad. And you use it to bootstrap your chatbot so that it can understand people from day one. The second thing is that there's no harm in asking a clarification question. And when you ask that clarification question, it's really quite important to repeat back to them what they've said. So they might have said something ambiguous. For example, I've got a new car. And so in my mind, then what that says to me is, okay, they either want a quote for new insurance, they want to add a temporary vehicle, or they want to make a change and replace their car on their policy. It's probably the latter, but you know what? I'm going to ask a question just to check. All right, congratulations on your new car. Just to confirm, are you looking for one of these three options? And there's no harm in clarifying that for the user. That's a really good point. As you were describing before, I had an additional thought, and it's slightly different, but I feel it's on the same track, so I hope you'll forgive me. But another big issue when I've talked previously with others around AI, machine learning, chatbots, IVRs where you can speak to the system, accessibility can become an issue there as well. You know, not everyone has the same ability to interact with chatbots and other automated support solutions as other customers. How do you go about making sure that the adoption of this really amazing cutting edge technology doesn't, by exclusion, risk alienating the less tech savvy customers? How do you achieve that? There's some interesting thoughts to pick out there. So 
every so often you'll speak to somebody and you'll talk to them about chatbots and all these types of solutions and they'll say, oh, but does this demographic use it? Does that demographic use it? Maybe that demographic's a bit less confident with computers, shall we say. And people have these misconceptions that perhaps all the people aren't so good with computers. But the reality is that we put a chatbot on the websites, we make it easy to use. And when you do that, the customer who comes in, irrespective of whether they're 18 or 80, they come in, they see a website that says, ask me a question, and they go ahead and ask the question. It's easy for them to consume. We've talked already about failing fast and failing to a human, and that gives them the confidence that it will fail to a human and they can get that human touch if they need it. Most people are willing to use it. We see people of all ages and demographics coming into our solution and they start asking, can I have a phone number or how do I speak to you? And we do try and contain them. But when we can't contain them, we say, okay, well, you can talk to us on WhatsApp. You can chat to us using web chat. And you know what? 80 to 90% of people are quite happy to take up that option. They just didn't know it was there. I think there are misconceptions in terms of accessibility and people are less tech savvy, people my age, people my dad's age, people older than him. They know how to use iPads. They know how to use technology these days. But the key bit is, is to make sure you've still got that human there in the background to help out when it's needed. As you were saying that, you know, my, my father is in his 60s, but at the same time, I think we all think of older people as being from the generation of our grandparents or our great grandparents. My father was working on computers from when he was, you know, in his early twenties, he has more computer usage experience than I've been alive. And when you think of it in that context, you know, it's easy to fall into the trap of making the assumption because that's what it used to be. Actually, that's changed as we've all grown up. Speaking of change and speaking of growing up. I saw that ChatGPT turned one yesterday. It's been a roller coaster year in terms of AI, machine learning, the rise and rise of ChatGPT and the pervasiveness of artificial intelligence and the, the gates that that unlocks. I guess my question off the back of that is if we think back to 13 months ago, pre ChatGPT exploding into people's, you know, the public consciousness. Has there been an uptake in the willingness to engage or the way in which people engage with things like chatbots as that AI journey has happened? And have their expectations shifted over the course of that time? I don't think so at this stage. It's quite interesting. People like you, people like me, people I talk to internally, we've all heard of ChatGPT, we've heard of OpenAI and large language models and so on. And we talk about this every day. But then you approach somebody, random Joe Blogs in the streets, oh, ChatGPT, what's that? And I think the public at large probably doesn't understand the impact of what that has. There's a lot of tech influencers, there's tech professionals like ourselves, and we know all this stuff, but the general average person, they may know about it, they may be working with it, but it hasn't changed the way in which people talk to the chatbots yet. That will change, I'm sure, but it hasn't really changed it so far as, as far as we've seen. And again, that makes perfect sense. I think it's difficult when we are immersed in the industry, the technology that we are immersed in, it's easy to get lost in that technology. And maybe it's difficult to actually take a step back because we're too close to it potentially. 
on that note though, for people who aren't as close to this technology, you personally have been ahead of the curve with personalized self-service solutions, Tim, and your work at Direct Line. How can other professionals who maybe aren't as close to this technology alter their self-service strategies to leverage some of these solutions that you've implemented and, and that we've talked around? How do they go about doing that? What's their starting point? I think the starting point is, is really understanding the customer and what they want to do. So everybody's got a website these days. You've probably got analytics on the website. You might even have web chat. What are people doing on your website? What are they doing? What do they want to achieve? What do they want to find out? What do they want to change, etc.? And you need to understand that. And from there, there's no harm in testing things out. So we're a strong believer at Direct Line of test, learn and adapt, iterate and iterate and iterate, keep changing things. And it's not about throwing mud on the wall and seeing what sticks. It's about putting things in front of the customer, trying things with them. And there's no harm in doing user research up front, get people in, see what they do with the website, see how they interact with your technology and just try things out because as long as you've got that fail fast strategy in place then if option a doesn't work well they're no worse off they've got a human but if option a does work then great let's move on to the next thing and let's try that out a lot of the technology out there whether it's nuance or microsoft or google or amazon or some of the many different providers in the market selling bot technology they make it really easy to consume and try things out and get started dead easy thanks for that tim that makes perfect sense and i think that for anybody out there who's looking to start down this journey you've given a really solid foundation for them to be able to take some of this advice and really start moving things forward and I do like the idea of just trying it out. If it doesn't work, if you fail fast, that's okay. You can take a lesson from that failing fast without actually impacting the customer experience side of things. Over everything else, I think that's one of the most valuable things that will be like my key takeaway from this. That failing fast concept makes sense to me. Unfortunately, I think that we've come to the end of our allotted time. We're going to have to look to wrap things up here, but I do just want to take a moment and say congratulations. During my research, may have gone to the website and had a bit of an interaction with the chatbot. And it's a really elegant solution, the answers that it gives and the, the exit points that it provides. So thank you very much for that. Tim Farrell from Direct Line. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Had a good time. Thanks, Sean. Yeah, me too. Hopefully we get a chance to speak again in the future. Talk Time is brought to you by Max Contact. To find out more about Max Contact and how our customer engagement software can help you and your teams provide smarter customer experiences, visit maxcontact.com and book your personalized demo today. Be sure to search Talk Time with Max Contact in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found and leave us a positive rating to help other like-minded individuals join the conversation. Finally, before you go, never miss a future episode by clicking the subscribe button and turning on notifications. On behalf of the team here at Max Contact, thanks for listening. <laughs>